welcome to the King Hero IndyCar Podcast with Kirby and Justin. Kirby, how are you? Um, doing well, Justin. How about you? So, so I think this might be we might go a little over our tight twenty here. There's just too much. Had a great weekend. How about you? Um, I had a half of one. Okay. Yep. yep. Drove uh, drove a car for two days straight. It was exhilarating. Reminds me why I'm interested. Well, I'm glad you've uh, rejuvenated your interest in the sport. Yeah, I'll tell you. After the after the first day, I'd le- it's like I'd forgotten how to drive. It was very depressing. And even almost midway through the second day, I wasn't so sure I could remember it. But I finally put it together. Finally put a good time down, and uh, feeling better. Well, that's the problem with practicing once every six months, right? It goes away quickly. I got to tell you, you forget where the limits of the car are, and it takes a while to kind of get you back. It does lead you to respect those who like, even like a canapino where you're just kind of jumping in and you got to get to the limit of that thing quickly. It gives you the utmost respect for that. I suggest that you uh, invest in a simulator before next winter. All right, Curb, let's, uh, you know, very eventful weekend. Let's get stuck into it. I mean, there's a lot of important things to talk about. Did you see the letter Tony Kanaan wrote to the fans? I did not, no. I wish you would have seen that little segment. You should see the way Tony Kanaan writes. The way he physically writes with his hand? The way he physically writes. Okay. You know how you and I would take like a legal pad out and start writing, okay? And let's just say that legal pad in its normal position is north to south, okay? And you start writing, right? He... Take that legal pad in your mind and turn it 90 degrees. Gotcha. And that's how he writes. He writes up the column. You mean up the line, just the lines turn 90 degrees? Yes. Right. Well, I mean, I turn mine a little bit, don't you? No, which is probably why I have poor penmanship. But, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll turn it like 30 degrees or something, maybe. He turns it the full 90 and he writes straight up the column. I've never seen anything like it. Did it work? He has better penmanship than I do. Well, there you go. I don't know about the way people turn the, the piece of paper they're writing on, but I'm shocked when I see people, some people, how they write, how they hold a pen when they write. You know, I mean, like, to me, it's just thumb and the first two fingers, you know? Yeah. And uh, I see some people, it's like they, it's like a claw grip with their whole hand or something, or it's, you know, it's just, it's uh, interesting. So I was amazed by that. That was the most stunning thing I saw all weekend at the, uh, Watching all that peacock time. You said we had a lot to get to. I I just didn't realize it was going to be on the top of the list. So I mean, that's extraordinary. I've never seen anything like it, honestly. Well, let's talk a little bit about what I watched during those times uh, sessions, Curb. Let's do um, that. On the girlfriend report, uh, Rosenquist's girlfriend made her first appearance, as, as far as I uh, recall. Okay. I think, I think I saw her, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing more of her. I, it was a brief appearance, so we can't, I can't really comment too much. But uh, from what I saw, you know, she looked like a fine young woman. He's a fine young man, so I'm sure that's the case. I don't I don't recall that much about her. I mean, he's doing well for a balding 20-something-year-old. How's that? There you go. <laughs> a short, balding 20-something-year-old. Yeah. The other, uh, you know, relative or uh, significant other or whatever you want to call him uh, – did you notice uh, Santino Frucci's mom? No, I did not. Okay, not bad. Not I know. I know that Emma Dixon still gets plenty of airtime whenever they get the chance. 
But uh, well, this is the first time I rec- can recall paying attention to the mother of a driver. <laughs> uh, well, I'm sorry I missed that. I'm sorry I saw Stingray Rob's mother. I, I you know, that's fine. That's the only mom I or no. Uh, but none of them affected me quite the way I think you've been affected here. So. No. Kurt, Bob, you mentioned Stingray Rob. Yeah. Much happier with his team on Sunday than he was on Saturday. Yeah, boy. He, uh, you know, I was trying to figure out what he was trying to say on Saturday. You, you almost had this feeling that faster. he was like, I paid a lot of money for this, so you better get me in the field. It kind of came across that way. Whether he meant it that way or not, I don't know. But that's the way it came across. There was certainly frustration there at the end of Saturday, that's for sure. I got to tell you. Sunday, and not just because it was Sunday, it was a true test of my faith and religion in general. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Thanks. Please, please do. <laughs> so I noticed that John uh, Stingray uh, you know, Rob. Had, uh, you know, I, I need to. I need to rethink my priorities next time. Before next show, when I start doing show prep and I start looking at racing, <laughs> racing facts and figures. Everybody else can talk about those. I need, need to expand to my about. expand my horizons, apparently. Yeah, exactly. We need to get to the root of some of this stuff. And I think that's, you know, you can talk about facts and figures all you want, you know, lap times and all that. But at the end of the day, uh, I think this is the stuff that truly drives things. So back to my test of faith. But okay. I couldn't help but notice that Stingray Rob on his, um, oh, I was going to call it a halo, because um, we're talking about religion. His arrow screen? His arrow screen. Thank you. The frame of his arrow screen? Yeah, the frame of his arrow. I couldn't help but notice on the halo part of his arrow screen, and maybe this is a, a intentional placement on the halo, uh, he had a little John 316 on there. I did notice that, yeah. Okay. So I think we kind of know where Stingray Rob's coming from a little bit, right? Uh, that he's a man of faith? Is that yes, that he's a man of faith. And I was like, okay, well, here we go. There's four guys. There's three positions. What does that really mean about religion in general if the man of faith does not make it in? Now, I admit that might be a lot to put on the you know, fourth place, the last place qualifying at the Indy 500, but that's where my mind was at. I think that might be a little low on the priority list for the Almighty. Well, you never know. Maybe he's a huge IndyCar fan. So then, then, to make matters more complicated in my mind, which was already, you know, kind of a flutter with trying to get a faster time out at the track. Uh-huh. Lo and behold, who is in his box? His driver coach. None other than Zanardi Jr., Charlie Kimball. Really? Well, no wonder he made it through. So I was like, if this guy actually makes it through, my faith in religion, you know, with Charlie Kimball as your driving coach, my faith in re- my uh, faith in religion is restored. Well, clearly the Almighty provided the resources that Singray Rob needed to get through that moment of crisis. I'd like to think the Almighty was seeing that I was conflicted, maybe having my doubts, and needed to send me this sign. I'm glad to see your faith has been restored. It has. Thank you, Stingray Rob. And Charlie Kimball. And Charlie Kimball and the role he played, would that be a Doubting Thomas role? Well, yeah, he, he seems to be a recurring theme in your life, so um, <laughs> yes. he's obviously a, a, a guidepost for you. I mean, if this guy's if this guy's the guy coaching you, man, I'm not sure you're going to make it in. Uh, faith in God restored. Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm fairly confident that Charlie could teach you a thing or two at the track. Look, I hope everybody listening to this knows one thing. I am terrible. 
I admit to being terrible. I picked up racing late in life. I understand that any of these people, some of who we make fun of, could beat me in a race. I get that. But I'm not putting myself up there as an IndyCar driver either. No. But I remind you, I was there. I saw it with my own two eyes. Uh, Charlie Kimball has won an IndyCar race. The fickle hand of fate. He executed a strategy to perfection. I would also remind you that he is solely responsible for putting. <laughs> I, uh, I watched that replay the other day for some reason, and uh, I put it right back in Jerry Hildermann's lap. No, there were two cars within a quarter mile of, of track, and all he had to do was avoid the one car. He is solely responsible for the demise of J.R. Hildermann. I don't think so. Moving on. Um, let's talk about some other less important stuff that happened over the weekend. I'm kind of going in reverse here a little bit, Kerr, but I, 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 I do want to talk a little bit about the, uh, what, what do they call it? Last chance qualifying. Something like that. On yeah. Sunday. Right. You know, first of all, great to see Bobby Ray Hill back on TV. Yes, definitely. Really pleased to see him there. I, I know he's had his battles with health and, and, uh, I hope they're over and, and in the rear view mirror for him now. And, uh, like the guy a lot. Um, I think he's, uh, you know, building a nice team and a nice legacy. And, and uh, so nothing but good things to say about Bobby Ray Hall, right? Gotcha. So it was really, uh, I was going to use the term strange, uh, surreal. I, I'm not sure what you would call it. But when they interviewed him kind of in the middle of that mess, and he was basically saying, well, you know, if I was Jack Harvey, I'd go out the last second, wouldn't let Graham have another shot at qualifying, right? Right. I don't know if he was trying to distance himself from the situation or if that's just how they run that team. Like, there are no team orders. You're, you know, you're all on your own at this point. Uh, what do you think, Kerb? What, what, I mean, what did you take from that? I mean, I got the impression, uh, both in the moment and afterwards, that, uh, you know, each entry was on their own, it sounded like. It didn't sound like they were trying to coordinate anything. You know, Harvey went out for that second-to-last run, which everybody assumed was his last run, early enough that Graham Rahal would have a chance to go out again if necessary, right? So, you know, Rahal was just stuck. He had to, he had, he was in a position all he could do was watch. Um, the perfect world didn't happen on the second-to-last run for Harvey, so they were stuck where they were, and, you know, you can't blame. If you're Rahal's team, you can't tell Harvey, eh, don't bother to go out again. We got right. We got Graham here. We'll be okay. I mean, you know, you gotta, you gotta let him go, right? So. Um, no, I mean it's a fascinating conundrum. Um, it's a horrible conundrum for them, yeah. But, yeah, uh, it's, I mean, I mean, it really is. I, I think that. So I think what we're saying is there's a hybrid here, right? There weren't any team orders, but Jack was going to go out and give time enough and give Ray, uh, Graham enough time to respond right. because he was trying to cool his engine and all that. If it if he was from a different team, he would have waited till a minute left and go. Okay, he didn't do that for, on the second to last run because I think he wanted to leave Graham enough time to respond. So there was like some team orders there. Min- a minimal amount, sure. A minimal amount of coordinated team orders. Now then you get then it gets interesting. So he doesn't make it. He has time to do another run. I think at this point Graham and everybody else in the world who knows anything about racing and you know, thermodynamics and qualifying. Or, or, or thought he, they did anyway. Yeah, or thought they did anyways. <laughs> Says this guy has no chance of going again anyway. So, yeah, let him have a go. You know, why? there's no harm in this. He, there's no way. And then he takes him out. It's remarkable. I mean, it's one of the things that makes Indy great, I think. I mean, Graham Rahal was obviously just devastated. Sure. 
you know, I mean, which is understandable. I think Jack Harvey carried himself very well. He had the appropriate amount of like, yeah, I'm happy, but I'm also like not real happy because, you know, it's not a good situation. Right. And I, and I think as you and I texted back and forth, it's like, I'm not saying it's going to happen in the next 30 days, but and maybe it won't happen at all. I mean, Graham Ray Hall has been uh, nothing but a class act in the last 24 hours, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, I mean, if they're deciding whether or not to keep Jack on the team, and it, and it's like, yeah, you're the guy who knocked my son out of the 500. You got to feel like that's in there somewhere. I just, I mean, human nature alone just demands that. They've gone on and on about what good friends they are, uh, which I didn't realize because, you know, was it two years ago at Texas? They were kind of chippy with each other. Next thing you know, uh, Ray Hall is hiring Harvey, and and now you're hearing what great friends they are. So there's two other names on the on the marquee, right? Lanigan and Letterman. And I don't know how much Letterman gets involved in decision making, but I'm sure Lanigan does. I think the writing's on the wall for Harvey before they ever got to <laughs> qualifying this weekend. Actually, it sounds like Lanigan's the one that has to make the hard decisions there. Probably, yeah. Because of the family connection, it sounds like. But anyways, nothing more to be said. You can read anything you want about it, but it was fascinating. I mean, just the whole family team dynamic there was extraordinary. Um, Adding that, like, your part-time driver, Catherine Legg, is the only one not in danger. You couldn't write a script like that. And then she goes out the next day and wrecks her car. We'll get to that later. All right, Curb, let's uh, deviate to Saturday. I thought the qualifying format, I think they've got down to a science. I thought it was great. It was interesting watching all day. What say you? It worked out this weekend for sure. It was very compelling both Saturday and Sunday, I thought. They ought to just take this weekend and slice it up and show it on that 100 Days to Indy show this Thursday before the race. If you want to get people interested in the passion and what all get invo- what all's involved in qualifying and making the race. Do you agree with me that you have to have at least 34 candidates? To create the drama. Uh, yeah. You'll still get a little bit of the Joseph Newgarden, uh, you know, trying to make the Fast 12 kind of stuff on a Saturday. It's not not nearly as compelling as trying to avoid the, the last chance qualifying and the potential for being bumped out of the race. That's for sure. I think the onus is now on Penske Entertainment to not have 33. It's actually to have 34. So there's a bump. I think it's worth their while to if if they have to, if they had to go so far as to subsidize a couple entries to create that that drama. I mean, that's, yeah. yeah, it's no longer about 33. It's really more about 34 or 35. By the way, uh, they did not like the uh, last chance qualifying format. Was it too hurtful for some? Uh, it, one would think that was in there. Well, I mean, it was ridiculous, right? Uh, if you watch the comments of they, it was like, what would you propose as an alternative that would be better? And by the way, they just had the the best crowd they've had for the last two days there in what a decade, right? And you, as they, even acknowledge that, and yet you're still complaining, and you kind of get the feeling that the reason they's complaining is somebody had to lose. He's an everybody gets a trophy guy for, or sorry, yeah. <laughs> he's an everybody gets a trophy entity. Uh, I guess he didn't watch Wild World of Sports growing up, right? Yeah, the agony of defeat, the possibility that you lose is what makes it great, right? Yeah, sports is brutal. I mean, life is brutal, too. What arena has a greater reputation for brutality emotionally than the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? It'd be hard to find some other arena where where that has doled out in uh, such huge doses. Sports is great because it's something you can do at a young age, and it kind of teaches you great life lessons. 
because as you and I both know, Curb, once you get out there, uh, there's some brutality out there. And some people choose to avoid it, you know, and join a commune or whatever. But if you're going to kind of get out there and amongst it, you're going to get brutalized a few times. And I think at least the brutality of sports, at least maybe I'm speaking more on a personal level here, but at least the brutality of sports prepares you for that disappointment. Sure. And if you choose to do a sport as a life, you know, as a profession, then brutality is just part of the game. The consequence of uh, not performing optimally or losing, just flat out losing uh, without consequence means the contest has no meaning. The ability to have more than 33 cars brings that home more than anything else at the Speedway. 100%. All right, Curb, allow me to step off my high horse for a second. Please do. Thank you. Um, VK, what was it? Six thousandth of a second from the pole? Six thousandths of a mile per hour. Yeah. Six, six thousandths of a mile per hour. Thanks. In the interview afterwards, it was the funniest thing I've, I think I've ever heard in a post-qualifying interview. He says, and they said six thousandth of a second, you know, or mile oh. per hour, you know. Uh, he says, yeah, maybe I should have taken a dump before I took the run. <laughs> I did not. I did not hear that. No. Yeah, it was fabulous. VK is now on the top of the people I like list. <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. It was the best. Well, I give him credit for that one. I did not hear it. No. Oh, it was great. It was great. So VK is now it's reached some ascendancy in in people I like. Uh, he's now joining uh, Marcus Armstrong and uh, Lungard as kind of the the new generation that I actually really like. I mean that's the kind of that's the kind of stuff I like to like to hear and see just some personality not the Joseph Newgarden Penske line which just kills me. Kirk, can we talk about Drive to Survive a little bit? Drive to Survive or Drive to Survive for less? Drive to Survive. Go ahead. I don't have much to to, I, I, I only <laughs> to contribute mention, to the conversation. I, but go ahead. I only want to mention this because I just finished uh, the last season last night with my wife. I got to tell you, it was the worst season ever. It was horribly boring. But did the wife agree with that? She didn't comment one way or the other, which I take to mean she agreed with me. Okay. It's always good to interpret silence any way you want to. Go ahead. Silence from my wife generally means I don't want to agree with you, but I'm going to. I got you. I agree (laughs) with you, but I can't admit to it. Exactly. Yeah, you nailed it. You nailed the one. It just was like a contest of pettiness between Toto Wolf and Christian Horner. And throw a little Zach Brown there, right? It got me to thinking, how long can this go on before people like, ah, you know, the racing's boring. Now even Drive to Survive is getting a bit repetitive and a little boring. It makes you wonder how much longer that will continue to have its uh, raging success. They did do a very good job of previewing for the upcoming season. I mean, they, they uh, threw a few bombs out there, which, you know, made you kind of a little interested in watching the next round, but it does make you wonder how long are Americans going to pay, you know, thousands of dollars to show up for a race to see nothing and you know, just be part of the quote-unquote in crowd. I, I maybe it's going to go on for decades. I don't know, but 
you and I have been mm-hmm. around long enough to see the comings and goings of various uh, racing entities, right, and various mm-hmm. racing organizations. So I'm just saying I don't think it's F1 forever. How's that? I give it two more years. Yeah, I think that's probably a little quick, but I'll give them the 24 and 25 seasons. So I guess that's two and a half years. But drive to survive dies. You know, it'll still be maybe IndyCar level um, following and success, but uh, I think it'll die back down. Curb, um, Mark Miles. He's a salesman. He is a salesman. I'm going to go back a little bit. You sent me an article where he has said that uh, finding a third engine manufacturer has dropped in the priority list. Got a lot of momentum, a hot product right now. Why mess it up with a third manufacturer? I mean, if that's not a Mark Miles spin, I don't know what is. The true interpretation of that is we couldn't get a third in. So now we're just going to say, you know, we didn't need that anyways. Right. Yeah. Since they scrapped going to a new engine. Uh, it's got to be less attractive, right, to a, a, a third engine manufacturer to enter the series at this point. Going against uh, Chevy and Honda, they got 10 years plus with the current engine uh, formula. Curb, um, can I throw one more just random thought in here from the weekend? Sure. So when I say to you, Bit Nile, what do you think of? ToddAlt.com. What's that? That's the owner of Bitten now, right? Todd Alt. Todd Alt. Isn't that his name? A-U-L-T. <laughs> okay. Well, that's what I get for – it's like a lawyer. Don't ever ask a question you don't already know the answer to, and I just got caught in that trap. Let me try ask the question in a different way, maybe get the response I want. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Kurt, when I say Bitnile and the business that they're involved in, what do you think of? Uh, House of Cards. Impressed that the money's still flowing for uh, Ed Carpenter duration. I wonder if somehow Todd Alt isn't a better businessman than most of them in the business. Uh, yes. <laughs> Please, maybe, <laughs> maybe you'll – I mean, I think you're torturing I, me, but go ahead. I, I, I'm not sure the angle you're going for, so go ahead. So – and maybe I'm an idiot. It sounds like you know more than I do. But when I heard BitNile, I'm thinking cryptocurrency. Right, sure. Okay. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was hoping you would come up with, but you you abuse me in your own particular way. And so oh, that, I went that, on the that, that that was the House of Cards reference. For, for uh, okay, yeah, I mean you could just say crypto. Okay, sorry. But anyways, I thought that was too obvious an answer. I thought you were reaching for something else. So I, I'll admit that. I didn't spend a lot of time on this. I didn't dig too deep. I didn't do anything. I was on my phone. I was like watching TV. Uh, Airport 79, by the way. It's a movie really? I was watching. Yeah. Huh. I've now watched all four airport movies in recent history. They're fabulous. You got to watch. You got to watch them. You can maybe skip Airport 75, but it just takes you back. So I'm watching Airport uh, 79, the Concord. And I was like, Wait, I, you know, I don't know anything about BitNile. I don't know what. Uh, so I go on the website. And what struck me and what was really, really interesting is that they were selling packages to like the 500, to the uh, Detroit Grand Prix, 
like executive luxury passes. You know, you get you get to meet the team, you get in the suite, you blah, 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 full pit pass, the whole thing. And the website, at least as far as the part I was navigating on, was kind of exclusively dedicated to that. They weren't taking clients. They were selling. They were selling. Travel packages. The experience. So, like, if you bought Detroit, for example, you'd be in a suite. You'd get to meet uh, Connor Daly and Renus, right? Right. You'd, you know, eat their food and you'd hang out and you'd go to the pits and. And they're selling that on that website. Well, that's interesting. Does that surprise you? It surprised me. It does. I haven't heard of uh, sponsors engaging in that way before. But um, totally expected to see like you know we're you know we're the crypto answer or whatever you know. And I, and I got none of that. Then okay. you know as I was uh, having my uh, uh, crisis of faith on Sunday, looking at which, Stingray which Rob, you, which you thankfully survived with flying colors. Right. Which uh, was Stingray Rob. Uh, I was like, what? What's this Biohaven? So I go on that website. Again, same thing. Um, you know, doing a hundred other things. So I, I'm like, just trying to figure out what they do. Medical, you know, they're a drug company, you know, with a different focus or whatever. It was impossible to figure that out too. In in a very brief snippet you know i'm sure i could go do my research and figure it out and get get the whole thing down but you know for your average guy it's like watching you know stingray rob go by like by the way i wonder what that is and they go on the website it was unintelligible to like what business they were actually i mean you could figure out the business but like what was their angle you know and my angle was like why are they sponsoring stingray rob (laughs) i think that angle is obvious isn't it yeah, I think so. Nope. But you know what I'm getting at. Well, maybe you don't know what I'm getting at. I'm not sure what I'm getting at. Are we ready to talk about the race now? Do some picks? Sure. Do you think this is a, a race with a lot of potential winners or just a handful? I, you know, we've discussed before, picking this race is uh, a fool's errand. Uh, although we've done pretty well in the last few years. For the record, I got 17 potential winners. So. Wow. Curb, uh, who's got first pick? There we go. Thankfully, I have the first pick. God, really? Yeah. I'm sorry for being so selfish, but I'm going to take Alex Palau. All right. Uh, 6.5 to 1, Alex Palau. Uh, for you gamblers out there, I would definitely put some safety money on Palau. And he's a good pick, not just because he won uh, the poll. What you look for in a guy for the 500 is just a guy who's had no drama and it's just all been going good, and that is defined by Alex Palau this this uh, this week. And uh, the last couple of years, he's he's been an outstanding performer. He fits the bill in every way, and I think we've both been touting him throughout the offseason, and, uh, and no surprise he's where he's at today. No surprise. So I'm going to go at 9-1, to one, Scott Dixon. Can't fault you there. Maybe uh, with a little less of the spotlight on him, he'll uh, get through uh, without any incidents this year. All uh, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Pato Award. Seven point five to one. Second betting favorite then. Second betting favorite. Okay. 
probably my next pick there, Curb, uh, but not bad. Um, now we're getting into getting a little bit more interesting, getting a little harder. I'm going to take Alexander Rossi, 10 to 1. Just like uh, Aaron McLaren's form this year. Again, very good week. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to take that. I think that's a good bet. I think he certainly uh, got the affinity for this track and this race. And I'm going to come back with Rosenquist. 11 to 1. Not good enough for me to bet on him, I think. Yeah, I, I say that with some trepidation. Just he seems to be historically so far a better qualifier than racer. You know, not only here, places like Texas, been on the pole a couple times, um, and then faded during the race. Uh, so I, I might be second guessing myself here, but I'm going to stick with Felix. Okay. I just like the cut of this guy's jib uh, this week, uh, this last week. Uh, Will Power, 16 to 1. Like him for a bet as well. Gotta like the odds. Uh, he did post the fastest time today at the. With the practice, with a, a nice toe off somebody, I'm sure. Uh, I'm going to go back to an old flame and uh, go with Takuma Sato. <laughs> 12 to 1. Perfect situation for the former two-time winner. Yeah, I, can, I just can't I can't do it, Curb, with him, but I understand. It's going to shock you, Curb. Marcus, Marcus Erickson, 12 to 1. Oh, broke my heart. Uh, but can't blame you. Um, honestly, I think uh, it might come down to those two teams, um, Arrow and and uh, Ganassi this year, just like last year. So, so that was going to be my fifth pick. So who do we got here? Let's sentimentally go for Ferrucci, but I don't think I will. All right, Tony Kanon. Oh. What are the odds on TK? TK is 18 to 1. Good odds, but I, I'm not going to put money on TK at 18 to 1. He was right there last year. I know. Let me put it this way. The odds of him racing the 500 next year if he wins is, uh, you know, 100%, whatever that odd is. Do you think so? Yes. <laughs> Going out on a limb there. <laughs> Even though he says it's his last. And he's written the letter in a incredibly bizarre way to write a letter again not something i'd bet on because i don't like the odds but i'm going to say joseph newgarden 14 to 1 well you know what they were saying today on the on peacock no i don't boy those penske cars sure look balanced and maybe they're better race cars than they are qualifying cars yeah that's uh they say that every where have you heard that before uh every every time peacock goes on air but the last three years, they've been saying that about the Penske cars, and they just don't quite show up on race day. All right. Well, I think that gives our listeners something to uh, chomp on a little bit. Um, Curb, let's kind of go through the field uh, from a betting standpoint, if you don't mind. Did you know that only one starter in the second qualifying spot has won the race over the last 50 years? I don't care about any of that. That's just all crap. Can you name that starter? Um. Holds a dear place in your heart, I'm sure. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, Kevin Kogan. He never won the race. He <laughs> <laughs> certainly. Juan Pablo Montoya in 2000. 
That's all crap. If you're betting based off of that stuff, you're insane. Yeah, but the stats are pretty remarkable how poorly second place starter has performed the last 50 years compared to first, third, whatever you want to call it. I'm sure that's true, but it's just random. All right. So yeah. that, was not, that was not at the heart of your... You only have 100 and something points of data. You know, you need tens of thousands of points of data to actually have a trend. So you're saying that was not at the heart of your strategy picking? Uh, no, okay. it was not. It was not. Yeah. Take some statistics for you out there, Jace. I see here. Uh, I'm just kind of going through the list here. Curve, if you don't mind. I mean, Tony Kanan, it seems like a long shot to me. 18 to 1. Maybe that's an appropriate odd, uh, I guess, for him. That's probably about right. Uh, Benjamin Peterson, 60 to 1. Say that again. 60 to 1. 6 0. 6 0. Even those odds are too good. Probably. Will Power, ironically, is the highest odds, at least according to the thing I'm looking at now, of the three Penske's. McLaughlin's a 12 to 1. Uh, and uh, New Gardner's a 14 to 1. So I, I just find that extraordinary. To me, Power's got the best chance of the three. And he's sixteen to one. He, according to this, the obviously it's all going to change as time goes on. But sixteen to one is I'm looking at this now. Ed Carpenter thirty to one. Yeah, that's about uh, right. Kyle Kirkwood twenty five to one. Sure, I can take. I can see that. Uh, Grosjean thirty to one. No, that's name recognition there, I think. Yeah, but I, I got to tell you, that's probably one I wouldn't mind putting a couple bucks down on. He did not make my 17 potential winners. That's all I can okay. say. Okay. Oh, wow. There you go. Uh, Herda, 18 to 1. Sounds mm-hmm. a bit optimistic to me. I think so. I agree. Uh, Castroneves, 40 to 1. That's probably even optimistic. Yeah. Same as Pagano. Pagano is also 41. I'm not that experienced at the race betting, but that sounds probably about right compared to these other guys. This is obviously dated now. Stefan Wilson, 100 to 1. Yeah. And I guess we got to get to that curb. What's uh, Augustin Canapino? 200 to 1. Wow. So who's your who's your who's your combination of a chance to win and and decent odds to get a payoff? Great question, Curb. Um, well, I think I just mentioned uh, Romain Grosjean. Somebody with a more reasonable chance to win. I don't really like, I mean, any of the long odd guys. I mean, maybe uh, Kyle Kirkwood at 25 to 1. Maybe not a bad place to go. Yeah. I I guess my favorite longer odd guy is uh, Will Power, 16 to 1. There you go, then. There you go. I always recommend betting on, you know, several people. Don't just, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. But uh, I, I think for the longer I bet, I, I kind of like uh, kind of like Will. All right. Well, if you want to spread it around, I, I'd suggest Kanan at 18 to 1. And uh, what's Sato, 12 to 1? 12 to 1. Who's got longer odds, Sato or Rossi? Sato. Okay. There, there's your trifecta. Sato, Kanan, Power. Okay. 
Curb, uh, we ha- it's it's Monday evening, getting late. I haven't had dinner yet. So it's in the oven. No, it's out of the oven, no. Um, <laughs> I guess we got to talk about today's events. Uh, you had Catherine Legg uh, spear Stefan Wilson in the back, literally. Literally. And yeah. Stefan Wilson's out. He is out, unfortunately. Uh, fracture of the 12th thoracic vertebra. Okay. I mean, the next couple of days will tell the story, and by the time I get this thing out, um, you know, you may have already it, been told. It will. <laughs> the story will have been told. So let's not go too much. But speculation curb uh, is uh, Graham Rahal back in the race. My money is on Jerry Hildebrand. I know it was reported last week when there were rumors of uh, somebody being replaced that Hildebrand passed his physical and was was cleared physically to drive. Uh, he's got history with Dry and Reinbold. Uh, he's raced for them in the past. I'm guessing that Graham Ray Hall, based on his comments yesterday and today, um, probably isn't interested in the logistics it would take to over that would need to be overcome for him to jump in that car for Darren Reinbold. So that's that's my take. I think Hilda Ray is probably the guy. Okay, I'm going to take a slightly different view. Uh, I think Fifth Third Bank, United Rentals want to be in this race. Uh, Graham's got a very compelling package to bring to Dry Rumble, which I think have toasted. A, by the way, have toasted a uh, chassis out of this. Looks like, right? Um, and and it was a Ray Hall chassis that did it to him. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> Ka- I mean, it's a us, gift that keeps Catherine, giving. All Catherine, this. Catherine, do us a solid. Come on, just run right up the back of that guy. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, if I'm Bobby Ray Hall, I'm going to go to those guys and say, look, uh, you know, feel bad about your chassis. And we can debate whether Catherine's truly to blame or not. But very sorry about your chassis. We've got one. we got sponsors we, that we'd like to take care we've of. We've got sponsors that want to be on. You don't have any, any real ones anyways. Um, I mean, strictly dollar transaction here. Uh, Graham's in the race, and and the best thing about it is Graham's not quote unquote buying a seat. He's the he's the last guy. It depends on the financial situation for uh, for Dryan Reinbold, right, and for Don Cusick and Don Cusick Motorsports, whatever they call it. Dryan Reinbold also doesn't even have a sponsor for Hunter Race Car so far. Uh, well, that's what I'm getting at. I didn't have a sponsor on the car today, so um, that's a possibility. You know, if if Ray Hall and or those sponsors want to pony up the money to make that happen. And if they do want to pony it up to Don Cusick or or, uh, uh, Dennis Reinbold want or need the money bad enough to to give up one of their their rides. Their guy's out. They want to do this for Stefan. They obviously didn't want to do it for J.R. Hildebrand. What difference is it to them? They might as well just take some money and, you know, focus their efforts on Ryan Hunter Ray. Straight up. I think it's Hildebrand, but if those possibilities all come to play, that that uh, you know that that perfect storm uh, comes together, therefore, then it's a possibility. All right. Well, uh, probably by the time I get through editing this rather lengthy podcast, uh, we'll know the answer. All right. So, um, you excited for this race? You looking forward to it? Does it have a little more uh, energy than? Can't wait to can't wait to see you Sunday morning at the tailgate. 
And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. I'm fired up. All right. All right. Well, I am too. Um, a lot of people here in town, they're approaching a sellout, I think, or near sellout. So um, obviously a lot of excitement in town. So hope everybody out there enjoys it, uh, consuming it, whichever way they do on TV, radio, an exciting race and a fun weekend. I hope everybody has a good, safe Memorial Day weekend and uh, hopefully enjoys the race. Amen. At Twitter. Hero, at Hero IndyCar, at H-I-R-O IndyCar. No sponsors this week, Curb. We've gone on too long already. All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks for uh, hanging in there with us for all this lengthy time. <laughs> <laughs>